It's the first time in 20 years that I've used somebody's book as an outline to go through a series here in the in the, in the service on Sunday. So uh, don't get nervous. We haven't left the Bible, but this book of his is full of the Bible scriptures. But I'm just using it as an outline. And uh, so while we're teaching on God's dream team, I'm going to be dressing in uh, in a sports team of St. Louis or or Missouri, whatever shirt. Last week I wore the Cardinals. This week the Rams. Next week I'm going to try to get the Blues. I don't mean I'm going to have the Blues. I'm going to get the St. Louis Blues, you know. And then I'm going to try to do Mizzou. And then if we have to do another uh, final session, I'll probably go back to my Cardinal outfit. So uh, how many of you wore uh, uh, something sports today? I see Brian did. Good. I know Jane's got a sports insignia on something or other. So... All right, we've only got two people with team spirit in here. All right, where's all you fantasy football? Huh? You don't follow sports? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah, Bill. Now, next week, where where one of your, do you, what, you have a Rams? I mean, you're down there. Now, wait a minute. You go to the Rams game. I saw you on Mon- Monday night football. On national television, I think you're, you you were all painted up in blue, aren't you? Are you going to do that next Sunday? No, don't go that far. But but come on, guys, gals. Where, how many of you have some kind of a sports team shirt or something? All right. So for the next couple of weeks, you don't have to. I'm not forcing you to. But come on. If I can do it, I mean, come on. If I can do it, you can do it. Is that right? Did you ever think... You know, when I stood up here talking about, you know, uh, what did I what did the Holy Ghost tell me to say? A lamb died at Calvary, not a ram. And I still stand by that. But did you ever think you'd see me standing in a ram shirt teaching up here? So so the Lord's working on me. OK, so if I can do it, you can do it. Is that right? So how many of you will commit not only to hand your track out this next week, which is most important, but wear something sports next week? Will you do that? Now, you don't have to. But if you have one. Wear it, okay? If you don't, that's no big deal. But if you got one, come on, get on the team. Let's do it. Can you say amen? Amen. Okay, there you go. All right. Well, do you bring your Bibles with you or your computers or something or other? A lot of people have their Bible on their computers. Okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 New King James Version. We're talking about God's dream team and we're trying to I'm teaching this so that all of us can find our place on God's dream team. And that's why we're doing this series. Okay, so we can find the place God wants us to be and not just be on the team, but be be a champion on the team. And uh, this scripture here says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one. You know, a team, to have a team, you have to have at least two people. Is that right? Team, you have to have at least two. Now, now on a baseball, there's nine on the field. Is that right? Is that correct? Now, football, I don't know how many is on one side. Does anybody know? How many? Eleven? Okay. And, uh, you know, like in tennis, you can play singles. So you're not a team, but you can play doubles. So you have a team there. But even when you're playing singles in tennis, you have a a coach and, you know, you've got a team that way, a support team. And so so we have teams all over the place in sports. And certainly the church is made up of a team. We're all here together and we're on we're on the team. As as long as we have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus, we're part of the, the, the church and we're part of the team. And then this local body here, Summit Church, we're all part of the team. And so it says right here, the Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. See, if, if you don't, if you're not part of a good team, you fall, you don't have anybody to, to lift you up. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. So if you're not part of the team, you fall, you're going to be in in trouble. Now look at if you would look at verse 12. I like what verse 12 says. So let's go to verse 12. It says, "Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him." So when the devil attacks, it's good to be part of the team, the the, the team of the church. Is that right? 
you know, I've watched this over the years as a pastor. So many times people will drift away from attending the local church where God sent them to be. And they'll just kind of get off on their own. And uh, you know when the wolf likes to attack a, a sheep is when, not when they're part of the, the herd, but when they get off by themselves. And that's when the wolf will come and attack. That's when the devil will uh, attack you most likely is when you kind of drift off and, and stop being part of the team. And then uh, verse 12, do I still have verse 12 up there? What happened? Huh? Verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And then the threefold cord is not quickly broken. Much we could say about that. So you need to be part of the team. Okay. Now, before I actually continue with Tony Cook's book, I wanted to say this. Did you know that on in baseball, I'm sorry, football, football in football, now, those of you who know about football, can can the quarterback pass the ball to just whoever he wants? Huh? There are some people on the football field that are known as ineligible receivers. Have you ever heard of an ineligible receiver? Well, an ineligible receiver is somebody on the football team that is not eligible to catch a pass. Did you hear that? Now, my wife didn't know that, that, that there were ineligible receivers, but there are ineligible receivers. There's people on a football team that are not eligible to catch a pass, to receive a pass. Do you know the same thing is true in the church setting? The same thing is true with God. There's a lot of people that want to receive from God. But they're an ineligible receiver. There's a lot of people that want to want to receive things from God, but they're in, they're an ineligible receiver. Perhaps you have not done the necessary things to qualify yourself to receive to the position on the team you think you deserve. I want to ask you this morning, before I even really get into the teaching, are you an ineligible receiver? Do you, are you trying to receive things from God that you're, you're not qualified to receive? You know, uh, on, on sports teams, I've been on enough sports teams to know this, that if you don't show up to practice... You know, anybody's going to miss a practice, but if you don't show up regularly to practice, you don't get to play in the, in the big game. Is that right? You know, there's a lot of people. I'm talking Christians. They want to receive from God, but they've not done the necessary things to put them in a position to receive. Now, it's interesting. This morning, I was standing right here during the last part of worship and the spirit of God spoke to my heart. And it just fits right in right here. And, and he, he said this to my heart. He said that there's so many of his children that, listen to this now, so many of his children that he wants to, he wants to help them. He wants to help them. But then he said this to me, and I've ne- it shocked me when he said this. It, he said, I want to help my children, but I would have to violate my word to do so. I'd have to violate my word to do so. And I got to thinking about that. That's all, that's all what he said. But if you think about it, it's very true. You see, a lot of times people, Christians, get themselves in a mess. And so oftentimes it's because they haven't been following the word of God. They get themselves in a mess and they want God to just zap them And just bang, hit them with power and fix everything. And he doesn't work that way. Do you understand that? What they need to do is get themselves in line with the word of God. And then everything would get better in the process of time. Now, what he was trying to get across to me was simply this. Is that you see... What do you mean he'd have to violate his word to help his children? God isn't going to make you do anything. 
If he made you do something, he'd be violating your free will. He'd be violating his word. Did you hear that? Did you not listen to me? God wants to help some people here. Your life is a mess right now. And the reason it's a mess is because you haven't been doing all along what God wants you to do. You haven't been flowing with him. You haven't been doing what he wants you to do. And your life is a mess and you want him to just zap you. No, no. You've got to get yourself in line and flow with what his word tells you to do. And if you did that in the process of time, your life, things would clear up. Things would get better. But you see, God isn't going to make you do anything. Did you hear what I just said? He's not going to make you get in line with his word. He's not going to force you to do that. If he forced you to get in line with his word, then he'd be violating his word. Because, you see, to force you to do something, God isn't going to force you or make you do anything. Can, can, Can you say amen? So God wants to help you. But he's... He, he'd have to violate his word to help you in so many cases because, see, it's not just a matter of him zapping you with power. It's a matter of you getting in line with what God wants you to do. Even if God did just zap your situation and fix it, if you continue to live outside of his word and out of line with his word, you're going to get back in that same mess in the process of time, aren't you? Aren't you? Even if, listen to me, even if God did come in there and just zap your situation and fix all your problems, if you don't get in line with his word, you're going to have those same problems within, within a short time right back again, you see. Do you understand that? Do you, do you, are you getting what I'm saying? And, and, it, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He wants to get that across to some people here today, that he wants to help you, but in order to help you, he'd have to violate his word to do so. Because you see, you gotta get in line with His Word. You gotta flow with His Word. You gotta, you gotta get yourself in position and flow with His Word. And, 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 and He's not gonna make you do that. He'd have to make you. I'm going over this until you get it. Because I sense there's one person here in particular that needs to get this. And you're not getting it. So I'm gonna go over it until you get it. God wants to help you. Can you say amen? But He's not gonna just come in there and zap your situation. Because even if he did zap it and fix everything, you're going to be right back in this same boat next year this time. If you don't get in line and flow with the word of God. What do you mean that he'd have to violate his word to help help you? See, to help you long term, he's got to get you flowing with his word. He's got to get you in line with his word. And he's not going to make you do that. You've got to do that voluntarily. Say amen, somebody. And so, even though he wants to help you, he'd have to violate his word to do so because you've got to get in line flow with his word. You've got to do that. And he's not going to make you do that. And if he made you do that, then he'd be violating your word. His, his word. So, so you need to get in there, flow with the word of God, make some adjustments. And then in the process of time, everything would go better for you. Okay? You okay? Did you, did, did you get what the spirit of God is saying there? It's not just a matter of just zapping your situation with some magical power, some miracle power. It's a matter of you making some adjustments, getting in line with the word of God. And he's not going to make you do that. You got to do that voluntarily. But if you'll do it, the process of time, things will get better. So are you an ineligible receiver? Have you done the things necessary to qualify yourself to receive the position on the team that you think you deserve? You see, a lot of times that people... They're ineligible. They're an ineligible receiver is because they've not been faithful in the little things. See, Jesus himself said, if you're not faithful in that which is least, you'll not be faithful in much. And there's a lot of people. D.L. Moody, one of the greatest preachers of all time, said this. Listen to this. There are many people who want to do great things for the Lord, but there are few people who want to do little things for him. That's a powerful statement. There are many people who want to do great things for the Lord, but there are few people who want to do little things for him. And and I tell you, God is looking for the people that will do what we think are little things. And if you do those little things, 
over time, you'll you'll put yourself in a position and you'll qualify yourself to be an eligible receiver instead of an ineligible receiver. Now, if uh, do we have that champions chart? Do we have that from last week? Do we have that available? Can we put that up on the screen? The, the champions chart. Do we have that back there? OK, there it is. So uh what Tony Cook did is he said, you get on, you want to be a part of the team, but to be a champion, you're going to need these different characteristics. And last week, you see C, champions, composure, H, humility, authenticity, motivation, persistence, interdependence, obscurity, nobility, strategy. That's kind of what we're going over here each week as we go through these. Last week, we talked about composure. This week, we'll do humility and maybe authenticity, and we'll try to get two or three of these in a week. And uh, and if you get what the Spirit of God is saying through these, these different things we'll be sharing with you, it'll, it'll cause you to become a champion. Now... Uh, as far as humility, real loud say humility. humility. Now, I, I, I've been quoting some from this book of his. And uh, Kurt Rambis, who was a basketball player, said this. If you want to be a champion, you're going to have to have composure. We talked about that last week. You're also going to have to have humility. Now, here's what Kurt Rambis, who was a, a basketball player, said. There are people with a lot more talent than I have who have been... Weeded out of the league because they couldn't put their egos aside to fill a role. Wow. And you see, I've seen the same thing in the church over the years. Listen to this. In a vital game, a premier basketball team was training by one. uh, I'm sorry, was trailing by one point with a couple of seconds left on the clock. The coach called timeout. And designated a play. They would get one final shot. And the coach knew that the other team would be expecting their star player to take it. So he assigned him to be a decoy. Someone would fake passing to him. Allowing another player on the team to be free for the score. When the star player realized he would not be taking the clutch shot. He sat on the bench and refused to play those final critical seconds. The other player made the shot, which resulted in a win for the team. However, the team floundered in the subsequent games, and many blamed the star player's attitudes and actions for the decline in the team's moral morale and performance. Can you imagine that? Star player, I want, I want to take the, I want to get the big, I want to shoot the big, I want to get the big shot. So he wouldn't play, and he sat there. Do you know people act like that? Have you ever seen anybody act like that? Have you ever acted like that yourself? I remember years ago, many, many years ago, long time ago. Uh, and the fellow's gone on to be with the Lord now. But we had a fellow that was on the worship team. And there were certain songs, if he didn't get to play, he would sit over there in the back like that. We, and we lovingly talked to him about it and said, you know, you can't play on all the songs. Your instrument doesn't go on all the songs, but we'll have you play on, you know, on the songs that that we can have you play on. And when he wasn't playing, he would just remember he would just, like that. Humility allows us to see that the goal is more important than the role. And that we is more important than me. You all are alright? You're just thinking, aren't you? You're thinking of people that you know that act like that, right? The star player wouldn't have sat on the sideline. And we've had more than one people do that on the worship team over the years. And, and uh, it, it, it's amusing. You know, Jesus humbled himself, didn't he? Philippians 2 verse 5. Philippians 2 verse 5 says, 
New King James Version. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled him. He what? He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. If Jesus had not humbled himself, the Father's plan of redemption could never have been carried out and ultimately performed by the Holy Spirit. Remember last week we talked about Team Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit operating as a team. Remember that? And if Jesus wouldn't have humbled himself, the Father's plan of redemption could have never been carried out and ultimately performed by the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad when the Father needed somebody to come and die for us? That Jesus didn't sit there on his throne, side of the Father. How many is glad he didn't do that? Aren't you glad that he was a team player? I'll say this. Jesus took one for the team, didn't he? Well, that just came up out of my spirit. If you're, um, take one for, didn't Jesus take one for the team? He took the, he took the big one for the team, didn't he? Never has been there a greater team player than the Lord Jesus. Some just statements about humility. Humility does not deny the ability you have. It realizes that ability does not come from you, but rather through you. And that your ability comes from God. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Tony Cook brought out a nice thing in his book that I thought was really good about D.L. Moody. I already quoted from him earlier, but D.L. Moody was a great preacher. And he had invited some European pastors over to the United States to a seminar or something that he was, that he was doing. And these pastors came over and they were used to, at night in the hotel, they would sit their shoes out in the hall. And the hall attendant, because in Europe they would have hall attendants and they would come through in the evening and while the pastors were sleeping or the, you know, the people in the hotels were sleeping and they'd shine everybody's shoes. Well, they did that in Europe, but they didn't that, they didn't do that here in the United States. And so when D.L. Moody saw that the shoes were out in the hall there and they weren't going to get shined, he went in and talked to some of his Bible students and asked them if they would mind shining those pastor's shoes. And, uh, they all had a pious look about them and, you know, they weren't going to shine the shoes. So do you know what the greatest preacher of that time did? Without telling anybody, he went and he got the shoes and he shined the shoes. And the only reason we know about it today is somebody walked in on him when he was shining the shoes. And then told the story. You wonder a lot of times why these great ministers are used so wonderfully by God. It's because they're willing to shine shoes when nobody else is looking. Did you hear me? You know, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, didn't he? But you really need to go back sometime and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and get the full picture of, of that that situation there at the last, now listen to me, at the last supper, does Jesus, is he meeting with his team there? Yes or no? Oh yeah. He's meeting with his team. And his team at the last supper got into an argument. And they'd argued about this thing before. You know what they got into an argument over? Who was going to be the greatest. And they argued about this again and again. And Jesus had to talk to him about it again and again. One time he had to get a little kid and set the little kid down. Remember that? And so you need to become like this little child. But his, his team argued again and again. I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, Peter and James and John and all those guys. They argued about who's going to be the greatest. And remember, James and John wanted to sit one on his right hand and one on his left. And they went to Jesus about it. He wasn't going to grant it. So they went and got mommy and got mommy to go talk to him about it. How many remembers that? I mean, you know, we think about Jesus having this great team of disciples. You got to realize some of these guys were like, I mean, babies and hot tempered. And Peter was a loud mouth. Is that right? But Jesus didn't see them as they were. He saw them as they could be. 
That's one of the things about being a leader that I've had to learn over the years. And I'm still learning it. Not to see people as they are, but see people as they can be. You see. And they got in an argument at the Last Supper over who was going to be the greatest. And guess what Jesus did? He starts to wash their feet. And Peter said, no, 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 you can't do that. Jesus said, you know, if you won't let me wash your feet, then, you know, then you don't have any part with me. Remember that? You know, Jesus said to his disciples, this was on another occasion. This is in Matthew 20, verse 25 in the New Living Translation. Matthew 20, verse 25. He called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. See, if you want to be an eligible receiver on God's team, you have to have a servant's heart. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave or actually a servant would be a better word there. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to what? To serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. Isn't Jesus wonderful? And because Jesus, don't you think he's the captain of our salvation? He's the captain of the team. How many of you are glad Jesus is the captain? Yeah, I'm glad. He, see, he's the captain now, this local church, I'm the under captain, you see. You follow what I'm saying? And I'm learning to be more like Jesus. And so Jesus, you see, he didn't see Peter as he was. He saw Peter as he could be. And guess what? Years later, guess what Peter wrote concerning humility? Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 5, New King James Version. 1 Peter 5, 5, New King James Version. Likewise, now listen what Peter wrote. Now, he wouldn't have been able to write this at the Last Supper. He would have been arguing about who was going to be the greatest. But Jesus didn't see him as he was. He saw him as he could be. And 1 Peter 5, 5, later on, Peter writes, the Holy Spirit through Peter writes, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your, el- submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be, and be clothed with what? Humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the... Humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Did Peter learn his lesson? Yes or no? Yes. And he became humble, didn't he? John, remember John wanted to call down fire at one time. Is that right? But Jesus didn't see him as he was, saw him as he could be. And then John eventually became the apostle known as the apostle of love. Is that right? So we, 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 we want to be humble. We want to be humble servants of God. Uh, to be humble, you've got to be looking out for other people. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church in Philippi. Look at Philippians 2.19. Philippians 2.19. If you want to be an eligible receiver, eligible on God's team, if you ever want God to be passing the ball to you, so to speak... Look at this, Philippians 2.19, you're going to have to be humble. Notice he writes to the church, Paul writes to the church, Philippians 2.19, he said, But I trust in the Lord Jesus, but I trust in the Lord Jesus, send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their what? Their what? Not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Paul had a problem finding a good team member. He only had one there that he could send to the church in Philippi because all sought their what? You know, we live in a society here in the United States where pretty much everybody seeks their home. Even among church folk. Tony Cook did a study in the Bible and he he looked at what people were seeking. Now, you know, we ought to be seeking God. Is that right? But he found that this is what he found that people were seeking. Seeking their own, seeking their own glory, seeking their own greatness, seeking their own will, seeking their own convenience, seeking their own profit, seeking their own good, seeking their own popularity, seeking their own interests. Well, we should be seeking God, shouldn't we? To be a good team member, you can't be concerned about yourself. Remember, we read a quote last week from one of the sports stars that said that 
I always look out for my teammates and I try to make my teammates better. If you want to be a, 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 a champion on God's team, you're going to have to be looking out for your fellow teammates. You're going to have to be quick to give credit to, uh, to others. You know, a lot of people are seeking to get credit. They want to be credited. They want to be credited. And there's nothing wrong with being complimented. There's nothing wrong with that. I, that's one thing that I have done pretty good over the years, compliment folks. But we ought to always be quick to give credit where credit is due. It always blesses me after like the Super Bowl. And they'll, they'll you know, because usually on a football team, who typically gets most of the credit for everything that happens good on the field? It's typically the quarterback. He's the star. Is that right? I mean, he is. All the spotlight is on him. But do you know what? That quarterback is going to have a horrible time doing anything if he doesn't have the blockers there. Is that right? Is that right? I mean, if he doesn't have those blockers, he's going to get mauled, isn't he? So it always blesses me when the quarterback gets up there at the interview afterward and he gives credit to the blockers. You see, and he gives credit where credit is due. And, and most of the news media or, or the, 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 the people in the stands, most of those folks, they don't they don't know who's doing the blocking. They just know who the quarterback is and maybe some of the star receivers or the running backs, you know. But most of them don't know who the who the blockers are. But if you don't have those blockers, you're not going to have a very good football team. Is that right? Is that correct? So we need to give credit where credit is due. In basketball terms, we should be just as excited to lead the team in assists as we are about points scored. Did you get that? You see, when a basketball player, I've got to explain this to the ladies because they're probably like you and some of the men might not know. When you shoot the basket and it goes through the hoop, you get how many points typically? Two, unless you're outside that ring, and then it's called a three-pointer. So, so everybody is excited about making the hoop, making the basket, and getting the points and points scored. But a lot of times, those guys that shoot the shoot the ball in and they score the the goal and they make the two points or the three points, they can't do it unless those other players are out there assisting them. Is that right? Passing it to them at the right time. So you see. A lot of times we get excited about we want to shoot the shoot the goal and make make the score. But but we should be just as excited about making the assist. You see, we read that story a while ago about that 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 one player that he was a star player and he didn't get the shoot the main shot. You know, he's the star. He doesn't want to be a decoy. So he's going to sit there on the sidelines and pout and pout. But you see, if you're really a good team player, you're going to be just as excited about assisting as you are making the score. I know as a pastor, you come to church, you see me up here preaching, but, but what you don't see is a lot of, you don't see the volunteers around helping in this department, that department, doing these other things. A pastor, we can't get the job done up here if we don't have these other people doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, like if we did have the projectionist back there and, and, and and, and uh, like if the projectionist said, well, I want to be up front. Sit back here. Nobody can see me back here. Now, now, she would never do that. Would you? No way. But what if we didn't have her? Then I'd have to run back there and throw this, throw the scripture up. Then I have to come back up here, talk for a little bit. Then I'd have to run back there and throw the next scripture up, you know. I mean... You got to realize that that it's a team effort. Now, one trait of are you getting anything out of this? One trait of you of humility is adaptability. Realize, say adaptability, adaptability, be able to adapt. See, there was a day and we talked about it earlier. There was a day you would never catch me behind this pulpit without a suit and tie on. Because that's the way I was trained. That's the way I was taught. Now, honestly, did you ever think you'd see me? I want to go over to you. Did you ever think you'd see me standing up here dressed like this? But I have had to learn to what? To what? To adapt. 
Now, nothing wrong with wearing a suit. I and I still I do wear a suit occasionally, but the society has changed and things have have changed and 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 so uh, I just. And I fought it and fought it and fought it. But if you can't beat them, then what? Join them. But finally, I, on some things, you know, on some things. Um, now, I'm not going to play secular music in the church. I'm not going that far. Can anybody say amen? There's just some things I won't do. But whether I wear a suit or a T-shirt, it's, you know, modesty is the thing. But but I've had to adapt, and uh, well, I was going to say something, and I'm only I'm only 50 years old. It shouldn't be happening yet. You never thought you'd see me dressed like this. I've had to adapt, you see. But I was taught you wear a suit when you come, you know. And, and so I've had to change. I've had I've had to adapt, and uh, you know. And, and if you can't beat them, join them the whole bit. But uh, um, but the society has changed. And uh, so, so, you know, I need to. Uh, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, I finally got it when I heard a pastor say the other day. Uh, he was talking about cassette tapes. He was saying, you know why we don't sell cassette tapes anymore? Do you know why don't we why don't we why don't we have cassette tapes here at the church? We used to have them. Why don't we have them? Does anybody know? Come on. This is not a hard question. You know what? You don't use them anymore. We use CDs now, don't we? So I have had to learn that, you know, when he said that, I finally got it. Yeah, I'm still living in the CD. I'm still living in the cassette tape world. And so I have to, I have to realize, say, adapt. So if I can do it, you can do it, right? There is a good example. Let me go on just a few more minutes. A good example there was a, a lady, an elderly lady in the church, and the pastor got up one Sunday and he said, we're going to start uh, throwing some more contemporary music in with the old hymns. And so a couple of weeks later, he gets a, a, a call that this elderly lady wants to speak to him. And he said, oh, my gosh, I know what's going to happen. She doesn't like those fast songs or contemporary songs. She comes in the office and sits down with him. And she says, you know. She said, I don't like that new music that you're playing. Now, it, was, it wasn't secular. It was, it was gospel music, but it, was, it wasn't the kind. You know, we all have the kind of music we like, right? And just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not anointed. I had to come a long way to say that. I never thought I would say that. But we all think that, you know, what we like is anointed and what we don't like isn't. But uh, now, now that head banging stuff... <laughs> I still don't think that's anointed, but but I but let, let's let's go on here. This lady comes in, this elderly lady, and she says, I don't like some of that pastor. But she said, you know what? My grandson, since you started playing that, I've been praying for him to get saved. And she said, my grandson started to come to church. And he's coming back to church and he's coming back to church. And he kind of likes those those newer songs. And he went on and he got saved. See, that grandma, she could have, but she didn't do that. She was adaptable. I'm not talking about changing our, you know, bringing in, in, in horribly bad songs or anything. But, you know, you know, you can bring in some more contemporary music and, and reach, a, reach a generation that isn't going to be reached by Lawrence Welk music. Is that right? How many of you even know who he is? Okay, all right. Nothing wrong with Lawrence Welk. I grew up watching Lawrence Welk. Don't talk bad about Norma Simmer. How many knows who Norma Simmer? Yeah, she was a champagne lady. I shouldn't say champagne here, but she was champagne. Right? Remember Norma's? How about Bobby and Sissy? Huh? Remember Bobby and a sissy and a one and a two? Okay, thank you, boys. Now, I do a pretty good Lawrence Welk. I had to watch that every Saturday night. I used to hate that. Oh, I hated that. But well, every, my, my, uh, oh, yeah, Lawrence Welk. God bless. Now, I'm almost done. Not done yet. Almost. Let's see. A, a player with true humility is not self-promoting, but adaptable and willing to take on whatever role is necessary for the team to succeed. Have you ever heard somebody say, that's not my job description? Not a humble person. Paul was adaptable. He became all things to all men, didn't he? 
that by all means he might win some or save some, to, you know, win some, without compromising his ethics. People who are not adaptable or flexible, when you get right down to it, have a problem with pride. I want to read this to you. I think this, this is going to bring out something good. Listen to this. Patrick Ewing. No, no relation to J.R. How many remembers him? Uh, you know when that... Well, it's just... <laughs> we won't talk about... My, my wife doesn't like J.R. Ewing. I know. We shouldn't act like J.R. How many knows who his brother was? J.R.? Bobby. And he was a nice one. J.R. was the evil one. But Patrick Ewing, does anybody know who Patrick Ewing was? Who was he? Basketball. He was a part of the dream team. Now, notice what he said. He uh, is retired center for the, what, does anybody know what team he played for? Okay, there we go. And a member of uh, the 92 dream team. Very good. Who said that? Scott, you got that. Boy, you're, you're going to be my next resident expert on sports next to Bill Hamm and Mark Antonacci. Okay, way to go. Now, here's what he said. He was describing the importance of adaptability, and he said this. The greatest players fit with the team. They play within the team's style rather than asking the team to change its style. Now, you need to listen to that. That's really good. They play within the team's style rather than asking the team to change its style. Do you know I've had so many people come here over the years? I mean, just so many of them. Just lots of them. And they come in and they'll, they'll be here for a while. And, 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 and this has happened in the area of the prayer ministry. You remember years ago we used to have prayer on Monday nights. And we've had them again and again over the years come in. And they'll come to me and my wife privately and they'll say, we want to we start a prayer ministry. And I'll say, well, are you going to prayer on Monday night? No. But we want to do ours here on Wednesday night or Thursday night or Friday night. Now, is that a good team player right there? Yes or no? Should I, as the captain of this local church, should I, under Jesus, of course, should I let them start a prayer ministry on another night of the week if they're not faithful to get in on what we're already doing? No. And we've seen that again and again. I'm using prayer as an example, but we've seen it in other areas. They, well, why don't you come to prayer on Monday night? Well, God just hasn't directed me to do that, but he wants me to do, do it on this other night. That's, God's not telling them to do that. God's not in that. Somebody say amen. No, he's not in that. You've got to come and fit in and flow with what's going on. If God's called you here, come in and fit and flow and prove yourself as a good team member. And if you've proven yourself faithful as a good team member... For years, realize I say years, I had one guy one time, he came back years ago and he attended several weeks and, and uh, he wanted to go out to lunch with me. Back then, I would do that. Now, I, I, I don't do that. You've got to attend here and, and attend here for a good while and let me get to know you and let me see if you're faithful. And then we'll go out to lunch. You know how many bricks I've taken in the head on that one? People, you know what I mean by bricks in the head? Do I have to explain bricks in the head to you? How many seen Home, home Alone 2? Lost in New York. Anybody? And he's there, and the one criminal, he's there, and the little kid's throwing bricks down on him, and he hit, throws about 25 bricks down. I know 20, I'm exaggerating, but he throws about eight bricks down on him. The first one's funny, second one's funny, a little less, third one's funny, a little less. The next few bricks aren't funny. And then when the guy keeps getting up and, you know, he's hit with about the eighth brick in the head, you know, how many more times is this guy going to take another brick in the head? (laughs) Now, I'm not antisocial, but, you know, you need to seek God and find out if he wants you to come here. And if you come two times and want to go have lunch with me, I mean, come for six months and find out and then volunteer and then I'll be I'll be a buddy with you. Okay. Is that okay? Uh-huh, but but I've, I've done that. They come two, three times, want to take me to lunch. And the one guy I'm thinking of did it. And I went out and he, he said, so when when's it going to happen? I said, what you talking about? How many remembers Willis Jackson? Huh? No, not Will Arnold. Arnold. 
Arnold, who was his brother? And, and Arnold would be going along and Willis would say something he didn't like. What would Arnold stop and do? What are you talking about, Willis? So he said to me, when is it going to happen? I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> so when is it going to happen? <laughs> what do you mean? What? He said, when is it going to happen? I said, sir, I don't know. <laughs> he said, when are you going to let me preach? And what he wanted to do was change this church into a into a into a synagogue is what he wanted to do. And now you know why I got to get to know you a little bit before we go to lunch. Um, you fit within the team style rather than asking them to change its style. Championship teams are rooted in. In certain core values, but they adjust in certain areas as necessary in order to accomplish their goals. Former NHL coach Scotty Bauman, do you all know him? <laughs> La di da di da di da. <laughs> all right, what team was he on? <laughs> the good thing I didn't have my blue shirt on today. Really? I found out, here's what he said, I found out that if you're going to win games, you had better be ready to adapt. So, there you go. Let's see, I want to finish this. Uh, part of it, I, just, I'm almost done. Part of uh, adaptability is being able to assist during times of change. Fill gaps in loss when the other players are out. What's a utility player in baseball? They fill in wherever needed. You know Hosea, who, is it Okendo? His secret weapon. Now, Brian used to be a champion pitcher on his high school baseball team. Right? You were a champion. You could throw when we play uh, dodgeball and you hit me with that thing. I know it didn't come from from Bill Ham. I knew it came from... I'm sorry. You can tell he's got an arm. But... uh, what was I talking about? Utility, Utility, yeah. You fill in the gaps. Humble, humble team player is not only adaptable, but also, oh, also, realize, say manageable. Yeah. Say teachable. Do you know what Babe Ruth said? Now, do you all know who Babe Ruth is? Don't say he was just a candy bar. Now, does everybody know who Babe Ruth is? <laughs> he said this, one of the greatest hitters of all time. He said, don't be afraid to take advice. There is always something new to learn. A good team player is good at following directions. Do you know one of the things we've seen over the years is that a lot of times folks have trouble following directions. If you want to be on God's team and be a champion, you need to follow it. Be a champion on his team. You get on his team by believing on Jesus with a repentant heart. But if you want to be a champion, you need to be humble, adaptable, follow directions. Realize, say, follow directions. Yeah, nobody's going to tell me what to do. See, we live in, a, in the United States. There's an attitude of that, isn't there? And that gets in the church real easy. Well, nobody's going to tell me what to do. No, I don't mean that the pastor and the church leadership ought to be dictatorial. But if we're giving sound, godly wisdom, you ought to be able to follow that. Is that right? And if you're on the help staff and I ask you to, like, what if I said to Dale, Dale, I'm freezing in here. I'm freezing. I'm just freezing cold. How many's cold, by the way? How many's warm? How many is just right? Okay, good. But if I said, Dale, Dale, I'm <laughs> Goldilocks here. You never know what, what, what my... How many of you like me preaching in this shirt better than the suit, by the way? Dale, <laughs> Dale, change the thermostat. What if he said, no, or do it yourself, or I'll get around to it? That wouldn't be good, would it? That wouldn't be good, would it? I said, that wouldn't be good, would it? Now, Dale would never do that because he's a great team player and he's a great champion, you know. But I've already seen that. Did you know, and I'll, I'll stop with this, Barnabas. How many remembers Barnabas and Paul? Remember, they were traveling companions on their first, on Paul's first missionary journey. I'll close with this. You, you've got to see this and we'll stop. Acts fifteen thirty six, because you wouldn't believe it otherwise. And then next week we'll talk about being real and being authentic. And so on. But look at this. 
and then we'll stop. Barnabas was a good team player at first, but he didn't stay that way. Acts 15, 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren. New King James Version. In every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. Now, who was the leader, by the way? Was it Paul or Barnabas? Paul was in charge. Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia. He had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention, realize say contention, contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, departed and and commended by the brethren to the grace of God and so on, being commended. Did, who goofed up there, Paul or Barnabas? He goofed up, didn't he? Was Paul asking him to sin? Was Paul asking him to steal money? Was Paul asking him to gossip? No, Paul was just saying, let's, let's don't take Mark. And Barnabas said, we're going to take Mark. And Paul said, we're not. And Barnabas said, we are. And they had an argument, a contention, and they parted company. And you don't hear a Barnabas again. Except you do hear of Paul. Barnabas messed up. There's good news though. See, Barnabas was a good team player. Then he wasn't a good team player. Now, was Mark a good team player? No, because they got in a tight spot. He, he left them, didn't he? Originally. Is that right? Mark went with him on the first missionary journey and things got tough and he left. He was not a good team player. And Barnabas was a good team player until here. Then he wasn't a good team player. Paul had some issues. He was the captain of the team and he had one of his team desert. Now this guy is arguing with him. But good news, later on he speaks well of Barnabas. And right near the end of his ministry he said, send Mark, he's profitable to me. So you can be a good team player, become a bad team player and then become a good one again. Or you can be a bad one and then repent and become a good one. Did you get anything out of this today? Stand with me if you would. We'll pick up here next week. I, I went a little too long here today, but I trust you got something. Praise God. All right. Well, if you've never...